What has happened to American manufacturing? Everybody has a theory. I'm going to give you mine on this episode of the Driving with Rob podcast. A lot of people talk about American manufacturing. What has happened to American manufacturing? I don't know that I have a theory on how to fix it, but I'll tell you my theory on what has happened. And this, of course, is the Driving with Rob podcast. I'm Rob. I'm in the truck today. I am actually driving today. But uh, thank you for listening. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. Click on like, leave me a comment. But anyway, back on with the discussion at hand. In my opinion, the biggest problem with American manufacturing right now, I can say it in one word. Accountants. Accountants have ruined American manufacturing. And this may end up being a much longer episode than most of my episodes. (laughs) Because I have a lot to say about this. I really feel strongly about this. The reason I say that the problem with American manufacturing is accountants is because what makes capitalism and the free enterprise system work is small business. Small businesses really drive this economy. And in spite of what every politician that has ever run for office in the last 30, 40 years has said that they support small business, they really don't. They support big business. And what big business does is they hire a team of accountants people with master's degrees in business administration because these are the guys theoretically supposedly who know how to make money how to take a little bit of money and turn it into a lot of money and you think that's good right that's good for business right it's good for making money it's not good for business and it's devastating to manufacturing And you can blame the Chinese, you can blame foreign imports, you can blame anything you want to blame. But the bottom line is, the root cause of it all is the fact that you have accountants running your business for you. And I have no problem with accountants. And I have no problem with people with business degrees. We need those people to handle our money, to handle our finances, to help deal with the tax codes and to take the best advantage we can of the tax codes. But the tax codes, you know, that's, that's a whole nother discussion. You know, the, the federal government right now is, uh, they've, they've already done a couple of stimulus packages to help stimulate the economy, to put money back into the hands of people. See, my opinion is if you really want to boost the economy... Stop taking money out of the hands of people in the first place. And then you don't have to give it back. If you really wanted this economy to flourish and to take off, give everybody a tax holiday. For a whole year, you pay no taxes. Well, they can't do that. And they're never going to do that. But that would stimulate the economy. Ever since W-2 forms 
and taxes withheld from your paycheck automatically. People have lost touch with how much money they're actually given the federal government and the state government too for that matter. But anyway, that's just a rabbit trail I went off on. We need accountants. We need people with MBAs to handle our finances because the tax codes are just so outrageous and ridiculous when it comes to what you can deduct, what you can't deduct. And it's cheaper for these corporations to have a team of six-figure income business majors than it is to actually pay the taxes. So you hire half a dozen tax experts at 100000 a year, and it's still cheaper than paying the taxes because they know how to work the tax codes. And the rest of us really don't know the loopholes, and it's not just that. For most of us, we won't save enough money taking advantage of the tax codes to make it worthwhile to hire somebody to study our finances and to get us the best deal on taxes. But if you're paying millions and millions of dollars in taxes, then yeah, you want to get that number as low as you can, or that percentage as low as you can. But anyway, we need accountants and CPAs and business majors to handle the finances. The problem with manufacturing comes in is when you let them run the company. When your day-to-day decision-making comes down to what does it look like on a spreadsheet, that is the root cause of why we're losing out to foreign countries when it comes to manufacturing. Now, we haven't completely lost. It's not all completely gone, but it's going away. And it has been going away for decades. And the reason for it is when you put number crunchers in charge of the day-to-day operation of your business, they're always looking at the bottom line. How much money can we save if we do this? How much more money can we make if we do that? If we could increase our profit margin by 10%, well, all of a sudden, a million dollars becomes $10 million. It's all about the numbers. And everybody knows, or everybody should know, that one of, if not the largest expense in any corporate operation is benefits and salaries. So the first thing an accountant wants to do is cut benefits and salaries. And the way they roll it out to the employees is because of foreign competition, increased cost in materials, increased operating cost, increases in fire insurance, whatever excuse they use, they end up with what they call belt tightening. Well, in general, it's your belt they're tightening. Their belt didn't really get that tight because they were able to cut your salary and to cut your benefits, completely do away with the pension plan, replace it with a 401k just to help them get through this crisis. So they cut salaries and benefits first. They may even cut employees reduce the total workforce, and I'll get to that in a minute. 
But what's another way to save money? You can start manufacturing in China, Taiwan, Singapore, because labor rates in those countries is much, much lower than it is in America. So there, if we can move part of our manufacturing overseas, we will immediately start saving money. We will immediately increase our profit margin. Well, let's start using lower cost, less expensive materials that we buy from overseas. And I have no cost comparisons to give you. But as you can imagine, a metric ton of steel from China is going to cost less money than that same amount of steel made in America. Oh, it's lower quality. And the quality of the product that you produce with it is going to suffer because you used cheaper raw materials. But it saves you money. And your finance person who doesn't even know how to use a screwdriver, let alone know anything about mechanics or steel tensile strength or the Rockwell hardness scale. He thinks steel is steel. So yeah, if we can get steel cheaper out of China, then we need to start buying Chinese steel. And if the quality of your raw material is inferior, well, of course you're going to make an inferior product with it. But on a spreadsheet, we saved X number of dollars by going with this inferior raw material. See, they don't see it as inferior. They see it as less expensive. And that's a way, one way, that putting accountants in charge of your business hurts your business. Well, let's get back to workforce reductions. Because as every good accountant knows, the biggest expense, or one of the biggest is salaries and benefits. So you can immediately start saving money if you cut the workforce. If you reduce the number of people you're paying, then you reduce the amount of money that's going out. And that saves you money and that looks good on a spreadsheet. But because these accountants really don't know how the product is made or what is involved in producing this product, it never occurs to them that if you have 10% fewer people, you're going to produce 10% less product. You are really going to have to lean on the people that are left to get that same amount of product out the door once you cut 10% of the workforce. Never occurs to them. Because on a spreadsheet, they save money. Well, you know, because we cut the workforce, now we're going to have to work a lot of overtime. Well, according to the spreadsheet, it's cheaper to pay people overtime than it is to hire more people. So yeah, let's just keep working overtime. Well, exhausted people make mistakes. Mentally tired people don't make good decisions. And you've got people working 12 hours a day, six days a week, with no downtime, no time to unwind, no time to relax. Then the quality of the work itself suffers. So that's another way that the accountants hurt your business. I'm not down on accountants and people with business degrees. 
We need those people. They just need to not be in charge. Yeah, everybody wants to keep costs down. Everybody wants to make as much money as they can. And I've got no problem with that. That's the American dream, is to make as much money as you can. To provide a better life for your children than your parents were able to provide for you. That's what it's all about. That's what everybody's shooting for, is to have a better life. And it was a generational thing, and it's been going on for years and years and years. I get that. But what is happening now is it's just about making money. It's no longer about making a quality product. It's no longer about your reputation as a supplier, as a, as a manufacturing company. Quality has kind of gone out the window in favor of profits. And it has cost American jobs. It has cost American leadership in the world in technology and manufacturing because we have let the number crunchers call the shots. I want to tell you a story. And this actually happened. This was a company that I used to work for. And this was a small business. And we talked about small business. And I want to say this about small business before I go any farther. Most of the manufacturing issues that we're having right now because it's all about the bottom line and it's all about how much money can you make. What happens is the big guys eat up the little guys who are focused on quality and who are focused on their reputation. But when the big corporate conglomerates eat them up, what they're really trying to do is eliminate the competition. Everybody has their price. You wave enough money in front of somebody and he'll sell out. Well, once you eliminate the competition, now you can do whatever you want, which includes moving your manufacturing to China and Singapore. And then the quality suffers, but your name is still on the product, but you've already sold out. But anyway, back on with my story. And I'll go ahead and tell you the name of the company. The name of the company was Wiedemann. Wiedemann was a machinery manufacturer. Well, when I was working at Wiedemann, I was in my 30s. And there was an old man working there who was in his 60s, maybe his late 60s. And he had been with the company since he was 18 years old. So he ended up making 40 years with this company, almost 50 years with this company, before he finally retired. Well, he remembered the old man, Mr. Wiedemann, the guy who founded the company. And he said when he was 18, old man Wiedemann was an old man. And the Wiedemann story is a fine example of the point that I'm trying to make. Old man Wiedemann started the company. Everybody who worked for him was hired by him. He did the interviews. He didn't have somebody from HR doing interviews. He interviewed them. And if he knew you and liked you, there was a good chance that he'd give you a job. And if you did a good job, there was a very real potential for you to move up within the company and to make more and more money because old man Wiedemann appreciated his people. And my friend was telling me about how old man Wiedemann knew everything about his employees. He knew the names of their spouses. He knew the names of their children. 
If your aunt was in the hospital, old man Wiedemann would go to the hospital and take her flowers because he cared about the company. He cared about the product he was making. The product had his name on it. And he only hired people he could trust and people he liked. And he gained a reputation for his product as a quality product. If a customer had a problem with a product, one of the machines, old man Wiedemann himself would give him a call or show up in person and make it right. Because his name was on the product and his reputation depended on that product. And he was going to make that product as the best he could make it. And make sure all his customers were happy with the product that he made. So he invested in his people, personally and financially. Well, many years passed and Junior took over the business. Well, because Dad owned a business. And he knew that one day he would inherit that business. He went to business school. And when he took over, the most important thing to him was growing that business and making that business as successful as possible to make Dad proud and to carry on the tradition. Well, over time, he turned that business into a very lucrative business. And he got the attention of the bigger machinery manufacturers. So he, as most smart businessmen do, entered into a corporate arrangement with one larger manufacturer after another so that he could continue to make his business more and more successful. So Wiedemann became a division of Warner and Swayze. It became a division of Kearney and Trekker. It became a division of several different companies over the years. But with Wiedemann Jr. at the helm, in charge, still making the decisions for his division. But he made it so that he had the strength and security of the larger company and was able to expand research and development and was able to produce machinery on a much larger scale and ended up employing hundreds of people. Well, when you employ hundreds of people, it's very hard to keep that personal touch with your employees. So he had an HR department. Because when you have that many employees and all the governmental changes in the tax laws, liability insurance, and all these different things that come with having a large workforce, he had to hire people to handle it for him. So he added an HR department and a financial department. Well, under pressure from the larger corporate entities that they were now a division of, their financial people and their HR people were calling the shots more and more often. We need to go with lower cost suppliers. We need to go with subcontractors. We're spending a lot of money making this very small component. It's better if we just buy that component from another company because we can buy it cheaper from them. 
than we can afford to make it ourselves. So the components start coming from overseas. Cheaper material means more profit. We have to increase profit margins. We have stockholders now. All the stockholders care about is making money. See, their name's not on the product. Their reputation is not based on whether or not they make a good profit. They're just on the board of directors. All they care about is making money. So the quality started to suffer. A little. Not terrible. But the machine failures now were acceptable. Every product we make has a warranty. If it fails, we will just replace it. Because in the interest of profit... We are making these things so cheap now that that acceptable failure rate still provides more profit margin than the painstaking process of making every machine perfect. We have an acceptable failure rate in the interest of making more money. Well, Junior finally retires. And then the grandson, Wiedemann III, takes over. Well, Trey has grown up with a silver spoon. He was born into a family of successful business people. He's never had to work a day in his life. He went to college, spent most of his college career partying, got a degree in underwater basket weaving, and now he's in charge. Well, he has no emotional connection to the business or the product they make. As far as he's concerned, those machines have Grandpa's name on them, not mine. And Trey is still on the board of directors, but it's pretty much a title only. He takes no active interest or active part in the day-to-day goings-on of the business. The number crunchers tell him what they're going to do and why. Well, he doesn't even care why as long as he keeps making money. Well, ultimately, Trey sells out all his interest to a Japanese company and moves to the Bahamas, where he can go back to partying every day just like he did in college. And now the people in charge of the company really have no vested interest in the success of the company. As long as it makes money, we don't care if we're making a quality product. We don't care that we're third or fourth in quality in our particular business because it's not my name on the product. It's not my reputation that's going to suffer. I can leave the company right now with a golden parachute and go to work for an even bigger company where I personally make even more money because it's all about making money. It's not about making quality product anymore. I don't care that the machine is now manufactured in a foreign country. I have a big house, nice cars, and a vacation home at the beach. And Trey still invites me down to his place at the Bahamas from time to time. This example is what's happened to American manufacturing. The founding fathers of these big companies for decades cared about the product they made. They cared about the quality because it had their name on it. But when they let the number crunchers call the shots, 
when it came down to just making money, they're perfectly fine with making a substandard product in China. And that's why American manufacturing has gone to pot. And I blame the accountants. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for downloading. If you like the podcast, tell your friends about it. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye now. Bye now.